0: Just because you know what's going on and maybe you've done a little treatment, there's still a whole world of stuff that you probably need to follow through with in order for all of this to stick. Yeah. You know, for a person who's... If you've been hospitalized or you've got something that you guys would identify, say, as a primary substance use condition, Mm -hmm. and that's been identified, we know for a fact that a year of sobriety might buy you two. Mm -hmm. If you can put in a year, you might have bought yourself another one. If you can put in two... He might have bought five, right? But sobriety is a lifelong process. Yep. Um, it's not just about sobriety; it's about like self-care and self-knowing and identifying things that cause you to seek out this numbing thing that you've done with your life or cause trouble. If it's a mental illness, you know, if the, this big, you know, the ugly head of a mental illness starts to rear its head, and I don't even know what that is. The person had psychotic features. They had you know, severe depression, or they had all this impulse control stuff. It's like, what do we do with that? It's like, well, you don't turn on, it's not like breaking a leg. It's a long-term condition. We're going to have to go for, you know, six months, a year, two years worth of various levels of care. ¶¶
1: Good afternoon. My name is Graham Durge, and I am the founder and CEO of New Waters Recovery in Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome to Finding New Waters. I'm joined today by our Director of Admissions and Outreach, B. Reeves, and Todd Weatherly, Managing Partner at Stucker, Smith & Weatherly. Todd is a pioneer and leader with over 25 years of experience in the f- field of health and human services. He is passionate about building programs, creating community, and helping families, a career driven by his deep commitment to serving others. As a former treatment program executive director and CEO, he is a widely sought advisor throughout the treatment community. He has focused as a mental health and substance use treatment and program consultant consultant for over a decade and is a qualified mental health and substance abuse prevention professional. Our goal in creating Finding New Waters" is to provide a resource for families to help navigate the complexities of supporting a loved one struggling with substance use or mental health. When we find ourselves in crisis due to one of these issues, most people have no idea what to turn, where to turn. We hope to shed some light onto what is often the darkest hour for many families. Todd, thanks for being here today, buddy.
0: Thanks for having me. I- I'd like to add to that little bit you did about me. Thank you. That was very nice. That I'm really just a guy. <laughs> really, just a guy. <laughs> just a guy.
1: A hundred percent, right? And and I think we're all, you know, we're obviously all working in this field and and kind of uh, doing God's work here. And um, you know, the reality is that a lot of us are in this work because we've struggled with these things in our own lives, right? Um, and you know, I'd love to get into this a little bit today. And obviously, the you know the real goal as I kind of stated there for, is to. You know, provide resources for families to to help them navigate the complexities of of uh, of, of dealing with substance use disorder or any mental health conditions, um, and you know, you are a therapeutic consultant, and I think that you know, for a lot of people, they don't even really know what a therapeutic consultant is. So, I'd love for you to kind of dig into that a little bit and kind of explain kind of what you do for for your career.
0: Absolutely, um, and a lot of the families that that end up finding us and uh, and calling me are like. I didn't know you existed. I wish I had known about this several years ago or when we started this journey because mm-hmm. what they've done is, you know, ended up in a crisis, maybe ended up in a hospital. Um, and, and, and then after that, it's like, well, we're just going to follow the advice of the people that gave us this care for three days. Right. And, you know, their version of that is just oh, some outpatients and whatever. We know that that's not enough for folks. Yeah. Um, hospitals are largely Band-Aids. You know, they'll get a person to where they're not a harm to themselves or others That's the criterion, right? And then after that, you're you're good to go, Mm. except you're not good to go. Um, And then you walk out into this world where, what kind of program do I have? Heck, what kind of illness are we dealing with? I don't even feel clear. They've handed me a discharge summary that's two pages long. Mm -hmm. It's got a couple of words I don't really understand, or it's using terminology that I'm not familiar with. I go look it up on the Internet. And it's like, oh, my gosh. It's like, well, do I need PHP or IOP? Does they need residential care? What kind of residential care? Are they, you know, all of a sudden they're faced with this mass of material, this undifferentiated mass of how to care for, uh, you know, mental illness or co-occurring substance use disorder, and they don't know where to turn. Yeah. Um, Some people try to do it on their own. And when they do that, you know, they hit the Google consultant and, Mm -hmm. and try to figure things out, and they end up spending a lot of money a lot of time, misdiagnoses, you know, treatment after treatment, hospitalizations, all these other pieces that they see that ultimately don't work or are not, you know, designed or a good fit for the person who's needing care and they get a year, or two yeah. years down the road and they're still no better off. Right. Um, and so the, you know, the, a, a therapeutic consultant of course is, I mean, last year I toured 70 programs mm. I still feel like I still run into new programs. I still like wow. There's a whole series of programs in this area I didn't know about. Right. Um, I can't imagine. I've been in the field for 25 years. I can't imagine being a family faced with it, and then all of a sudden having to go. Okay, now I'm going to make myself an expert. Right. You know, if you find someone who can be a guide, I mean, you don't go in a you don't go into a, um, a courtroom mm. without an attorney, right? Because you don't know the law, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have a user-friendly system. Yep. Unless they come to places like New Waters, where people are very friendly and very accommodating and know what they're talking about. Right. If they happen to be lucky enough to find a resource like yours, awesome. Right. But otherwise, you know, they're they're turning to this massive material and language and everything else that they don't know how to manage. Um, and if they come to someone, they come to a therapeutic consultant, like any member of our team, or they're, you know, there's a whole. There's not a lot of therapeutic consultants out there, but there are a few. Mm. If you happen to find a good one, they can help you identify things, navigate the system, figure out that, hey, you know, just because you know what's going on and maybe you've done a little treatment, there's still a whole world of stuff that you probably need to follow through with in order for all of this to stick. Yeah. You know, for a person who's – if you've been hospitalized or you've got something that you guys would identify, say, as a primary substance use condition, Mm-hmm. And that's been identified. We know for a fact that a year of sobriety m- might buy you two. Mm-hmm. If you can put in a year, you might have bought yourself another one. If you can put in two, you might have bought five. Right. But sobriety is a lifelong process. Yep. Um, it's not just about sobriety. Mm-hmm. It's about like self-care and self-knowing and identifying things that cause you to mm-hmm. seek out this numbing thing that you've done with your life or cause trouble, if it's a mental illness, you know, if this big, you know, the ugly head of a mental illness starts to rear its head, and I don't even know what that is. The person had psychotic features. They had, you know, severe depression, or they had all this impulse control stuff. It's like, what do we do with that? It's like, Mm. well, you don't turn on... It's not like breaking a leg. Mm. It's a long-term condition. We're going to have to go for, you know, six months, a year, two years' worth of various levels of care. Yeah. People don't even know they don't even know that fact, right? When they go into it, right. so
1: yeah, they think that they're going to send their their loved one away. It's going to be a thirty day, you know, quick fix, and you know we're going to fix them and they're going to come back a different human being, right? right. And that's obviously not the reality,
0: you right? Know, for they are not a car needing a new carburetor, one hundred percent, right? Right.
1: No, and and uh, and it's interesting because we, you know, I, th- I think in general we've seen this over the last kind of you know six to seven years um, where we've started to see a ton of. Uh, especially young adults too, who have been in treatment six, seven, 10, 12 times, um, before the age of 30, you know, and you know, that's concerning, obviously we're missing something there, right, and that was really why we started, you know, this assessment track to begin with uh, at New Orders was because, you know, again, we were missing so much, right, and I think there was a lot of underlying issues that weren't being addressed or identified, whether it was, you know, possibly autism, OCD, you know, thought disorders and any kind of litany of things, and you know we just keep sending them down the same pipe and sending them to you know a primary substance use program that's just not hitting the mark, right? And so you know I think that you're you're right, and and I guess you hit on something there. I wanted to to you know pin on is. Um, you know you said, if you get hooked up with a good educational or therapeutic consultant, what in your opinion, what's the difference between a good and a bad or <laughs> less than? <laughs> what would you be if somebody was out there looking for a therapeutic consultant, what would you recommend that they the top like five questions that they would
0: ask? Well, I mean, and uh, sometimes I get families ask some of these. So I belong to an organization called the Therapeutic Consulting Association. If you go to their website, you'll find a very long document of ethical guidelines for therapeutic consultants. Right. So we're not going to read that, but, you know, no, no person who's behaving or, you know, claims to be a consultant should be getting money from programs. Mm-hmm. They should be getting kickbacks. This is not a, this, you know, they're serving their clients. Being an independent consultant mm-hmm. means that you're not tied to any specific program. Um, or, you know, in the pocket of any particular program, which happens. Yep. You've even got programs that will offer to pay consultants for referrals. Wow. And it's like, I've had them. I'm like, yeah, that's no. They're like, don't so, we'll be sending here anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, it sounds like you're sending me here. Are you getting paid by these guys? It's like, it's a fair question, and you should ask it. Yeah. Um, absolutely. The other piece is, if you've got a consultant that's not out traveling, that's not – meeting with programs and, and seeing places and getting around the country. Um, for the TCA, we're required to visit at least 40 new programs per year. Mm-hmm. Um, we can have a few of those, be a recycle or a revisit, but generally speaking, we're out there finding new programs that we haven't been to um, so that we can, you know, broaden our scope of understanding of the field and what treatment is like out there. Because not only do you run into new places, which is great, but you also... Places change. Yeah, you know, we were talking earlier a little bit about wilderness programs. It's like, is wilderness work, and it's like, well, there are good wilderness programs, and then there are wilderness programs that ran into trouble of some kind and they closed. Right. There are programs across the board that maybe they change leadership, or maybe they just change clinical model, or maybe they change something. And it's like, there are some nuances here I want to be familiar with before I send my client there because I want to know what who the right client is. So. You also want to, you know, it's not necessary. I say this because I'm not a licensed clinician. I'm a, I've am a, got other qualifications, but I've been in the field for a very long time. Look for, look for you know, organizations they belong to. Look for um, social media presence or web presence that demonstrates that they're out there doing the work.
1: I would even say, too, which I love, um, is talking to an alumni family.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? You
1: know, yeah. it's like, listen. Get me, hook me up with three alumni families that, that I can talk to and, uh, you know, and, and let's see kind of what their feedback yeah. is. Now, you know, they're going to give you people that obviously had a good experience with them, but right. you can, you know, get a, a good feel for it, right?
0: You know, I had, a, I had that come up and I, I gave a client, a, a, a former client, the their their adult child. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't end up going to treatment because they were very hesitant and they had a lot of issues that were kind of moving the needle along was difficult for them, but we were a resource for the family. They had a plan when they were, when he was ready to kind of take that help and everything else. And even though we got through it, I still heard from the family, they were a a referral for us. Mm. And you know, they are are a reference. And when the reference calls, it's like, why did you give me a family where the person didn't actually go to treatment? I was like, we don't know the end of his story yet this family has gone through a long process and we've just been guides through that process. He knows where to go. They have got the resources for being able to find what they need when he's ready, mm. but everybody reaches ready on their own speed. Mm-hmm. And so not pushing, not pushing a person and really listening to them and waiting them for waiting for them to be ready, even if it's not set inside of this service agreement timeframe mm. is really important. And they were like, that sounds really reasonable to yeah. me. So, anyway, you know. Yeah, hundred percent.
2: I got a question. What um, the terms educational consultant and therapeutic consultant seem to be somewhat interchangeable, but clearly there's a
0: difference. in the and then you've got educational therapeutic consultant, right?
2: Can you just shed some light on that it's for everybody who probably has wondered that as well? So,
0: Ed consultant was born out of I want to get my kid into boarding school, the mm-hmm. top boarding school, right. or the top college. You know, or both. And then you had and you know, that that started off a long time ago and same thing. In, the, in
1: the northeast. Rehab, yeah. In right? the northeast, right? <laughs> and then, you
0: know, suddenly it was like, you know, my kid before they go to boarding school is gonna need treatment or right. that you know, they're having problems or and then the treatment field can became to you know, started to expand, but the ed consultants stuck <laughs> because when you were sending them to a maybe you're sending to a board of school or in this case a therapeutic boarding school. You had a, you needed a person who was able to review: Are they, you know, are they having reading issues? You know, what does their waist say? Yeah. What is their full scale IQ? Masters in education. How, yeah. In education how does it match degree. up to? How does it match up to a treatment program that's going to help them address, say, dyslexia, for example, mm-hmm. or what, or dysgraphia? And so you had all of that coming in, and then you know, I think as time went on, we could probably speak about this for a while, but. We just started seeing. I mean, people got kids and young adults got more and more complex. Mm-hmm. They had more and more complex conditions, and their conditions were complex enough. It's like forget school. Mm. We we got to focus on treatment. You know, we're gonna we're gonna drop academics for a little while, yeah. and we're gonna help this person get well. Do you and, think these start interrupting? Do you no. think the kids
2: have gotten more complex, or do you think that there are more labels to put on the same? same type of kid
0: Mm. i might ask that question of you too i i think that i think we've got more words and i think we've got more capability to treat and evaluate um the other piece though is is that um we still don't have a functional mental health system Mm -hmm. it doesn't exist in the school systems by and large it does not exist in the colleges by and large colleges will i mean they are very resistant even admitting that there's a mental health or i or substance abuse problem on their campus, right? as yes. we all know. And so what you end up with is uh, you kick the can down the road, and a person, if they had been treated when they started having problems, could have been pretty well off. Yeah. Except now they're X how, however far down the road, and this condition has gotten much worse. And then you've got the whole parenting equation. I mm-hmm. mean, we see a lot of, I mean, we all see trauma, just some of the worst trauma that you can kind of imagine coming out of, family scenarios or even school bullying scenarios or what have you and trauma just
1: yeah it's, it's absolutely insane it puts a hurt you know what people. these kids are dealing with now you know and then social media and you know i was gonna all say the, all the things media. that are coming at them it's uh, and obviously I've, i have uh, three daughters myself and it's you know they're very young and we're already starting to have to have to yeah. you know have these conversations and navigate it and you know you see them they they just get so attached to it and addicted to the the screen right right so um now, sorry, I had something, but I just totally lost my train of thought on that.
2: Trauma, I've heard it said since I've been in this field that trauma is the, the real gateway drug. you heard that, <laughs> agree with that? What are you talking Trauma's about? is the gateway drug. The, I haven't heard gateway, that. The gateway, the real gateway drug.
0: Um, I mean, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that you, it's rare that you can work with someone who's struggling with a level of condition that requires the kind of intervention you guys provide mm-hmm. or needs residential care that doesn't have some trauma in their background. Right. Yeah. You know, yep. either it's as a result of their drug use or it was, you know, it's what incited their drug use, right. for example, and, you know, co-occurring mental illness and all the other pieces, traumas, traumas there. Yeah. Um, resiliency is the, I, you know, there's a lot of, there's a resiliency model. Some schools are trying to use it, but like, why in the animal, like the, they point at zebras. It's like, you see the zebra crossing a river and it's like, and then know, crocodile tries to eat it and something else. And it just kind of kicks it off and shakes it off and keeps going. It's like, right. how do we, yeah. how do we do that? You know, right. how do we pick that back up as, as people living in a world that we do? That's, that's a good question. I think there's good programming for it, but um, yeah, we could use a little more.
2: How have you, what have you seen? So on the, Uh, subject of social media and trauma and bullying and all that. I mean, you've been doing this long enough to see the real rise of social media, just taking over everyone's lives. Has it just been, what's, what's it been like to see that in your, in your world?
0: Well, I mean, Graham says it, you know, there you get, you got kids getting access to phones and devices like very early on. They're the substitute babysitter, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, the problem is is that it's everything at once mm-hmm. you know it's like a, it's like I need some water, so I'm going to put my mouth to a fire hose and somebody's going to turn it on full black like that's what
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know I, I'm a Gen Xer, so I grew up, we didn't have phones, we didn't have screens. you waited for your show to come on between this time and this time. Yep. and I just don't have the same draw to being obsessed with my phone that I see young adults having'.
1: What I even saw, I've read something actually funny enough today, and I was talking about how uh, kids today, and really the phones and the screens and all of that are becoming such an issue because kids today have no idea how to be bored, right? Right. And like being bored is a good thing for a kid because it makes them go outside and play and use their imagination and, you know, try to, you know, just figure things out, right? Rather than, you know, that instant gratification of always being entertained and constant, you know, screen time. Um, And I think that that's really becoming a a, – that's part of, like, this whole thing that's happening with social media. And I I don't even think we have a a real grasp on how detrimental this is going to be to our society at this point. But, you know, we're certainly seeing a lot of it in the behavioral health field. And I even think, too, that, you know, there's going to be a real market down the road for, um, you know, technology addiction, you know. And I think that these treatment programs, you know, need to start, you know, trying to figure out how we're going to start treating this technology addiction because it's just –
0: well, they're out there already. In yeah. the fact, there's a program in the area where I am, um, Foundations Asheville. They they actually own the phones. So kids come out of treatment. They go into this transitional living program. They own the phone. It's got limited access. They monitor everything that's going on it. It's got some social media on it because they want them to practice. But they also are like, okay, did you feel triggered by any of these things today? How long did you you were only allowed to be on the phone for this long, and then they work their way to getting their phone back. Yeah, wow. um, and I'm, you know, like, yeah,
1: <laughs> that's that's awesome. That's, so what, and that place is called what?
0: Uh, Foundations Asheville is uh, a okay. is, uh, is part of the trails, trails, Carolina trails, momentum family of programs. Very cool. Yeah, yeah.
2: We were at a conference together. Yeah, we were definitely at um, Montreat, or no, not Montreat, but in, I, I won't name the
0: conference actually. But, oh the young adult conference right yes mm-hmm.
2: and um, and they I, I was sat in a in a session and I think we were just talking about the guy who was who was the speaker and they were talking about the ramifications of the therapeutic boarding schools and the and the and stuff and they were the, the the topic was what would be the next thing that would be considered abusive and they were they were saying that they were afraid that, that taking kids phones from them now, would be considered abuse in ten years because it'd be like tantamount to chopping their hand off, yeah. I and mean, that's the fear that, the, mm-hmm. that these kids are so addicted to their phones that not having them is considered abuse. And, not,
0: and 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 they have no tolerance for the distress. Right. Right. Yeah. I. Yeah. That's a scary thought. Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, it is, and um, you know, it's certainly. You know, we're doing the best that we can to to try to like manage those things at home, and and obviously working in the field, you know, and dealing with these things and seeing these behaviors is always, um, you know, you try to bring this stuff home and, and implement it in your life, but it's not easy, you know, it really isn't. Um, and I, I wanted to go back and talk about, you know, you were talking a little bit earlier about uh, touring programs, uh, visiting programs, and the importance of all that, and that kind of brought something up for me too because I know when we here with with our team and our uh, continuing care team you know, we really look at the program, but not only the program, but a lot of times like who's the clinical, clinical team, right? Right. And I think that that is something that most places don't do, but, you know, we really need to start getting very granular on how we're, you know, referring our <laughs> patients because, you know, if you're just sending a, a a client to a program, that's a good program, it's really, it's, it's, you know, throwing darts at the dartboard on what therapist you're going to get. And you don't know what that fit's going to be like. And that's, that could be, you know uh, that could be hit or miss on, on whether the program works. Right. So, uh, talk a little bit about that and, and, you know,
0: well, yeah, I mean, you know, there's the, there's the ones, it's not a school of thought. I mean, it's, it's something that a study came out, you know, it's not the, um, they took five different treatment models Mm. and they tried to measure the efficacy of the treatment models and they all came out about the same. And they found that the the factor that made the determination as to whether or not the treatment model was successful it's was the, the provider. Yep. It was like being able to build rapport and having a trusting relationship and those kinds of things. I think a lot of that centers around a good leadership team and a good clinical director. Mm-hmm. You know, you might, you know, you're throwing darts at a dartboard for which therapist you're gonna get. But, you know, for me, if I'm placing a client, I'm sure this is true for you that's great. I love that you've got nice buildings and, and, and pillows on the couches, but (laughs) can I talk to your clinical director for a second? You know, and if, if what I hear from that person is a person who knows how to look at the client that I'm sending to them Mm -hmm. and go, you know what, I think this person's going to have a personality match with, you know, the new therapist that I just hired or this therapist who's just, you know, old old hand at this particular condition or whatever yeah. it is, or is really good at this particular practice or methodology and can really place and work a team and knows how to, you know, manage a milieu, you know, the mm-hmm. treatment environment that way. That's what I'm looking for out of a right. program. And I'm looking for the relationship. I'm looking for somebody who can talk to me and we can kind of get to the nitty gritty for a minute and, and we can we can whittle it down and in fairly short order to make sure that we are a good match. And, um, and then continue that conversation as the person who receives treatment, you know, that's, that's what a consultant should be doing for you and then turn around and give it to the family. Maybe I'm jumping in on the call or I'm turning around and saying, I, you know, and several of my families now, they're like, even though they've been kind of through the ringer, they still feel unclear about how does this process go? And What does this mean? Right. And, you know, what, 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 should we expect next? And all these other things. It's like, they still, even three years worth of being through it with their, with their adult child and they still are uncertain as to what like two days from now should supposed to, is supposed to look like. Right. So we, we have a lot of phone calls. It's like, right. okay, you know, it's, we're, we're doing all right. It yep. <laughs> looks good so far. We're still early in. Right. Yeah. percent. <laughs> and we got to be patient, you know?
1: yeah yeah and I, and and from like a, a treatment provider perspective, I mean it, having somebody like you in the mix is amazing because you know you you're doing such great work with the family, right? And uh, I mean, that, you know, (laughs) I I listen, we worked on clients together before. I I know this for a fact, so, um, but you know, I think that obviously that's important to us as, as the providers, because, you know, we're, we're kind of on the front end and we're, we're handling the client and sometimes that's, that takes a lot, right? So when you throw the family into the mix, if we have a little support from somebody like you, and obviously you have a ton of background, I've been working with the family for, you know, uh, X amount of months, it's, it's a, it's a huge, huge benefit to us, so.
0: Yeah, they're not blowing up the program, trying to figure out what's going on. I and mean, like you know, they've got a little, they've got somebody they can go to when they're nervous, and, right? Because they're often nervous and rightfully so.
1: And they don't know that this is this is not just uh, as we said earlier. Like you're not sending your kid away to just get fixed, right? Right. Mm-hmm. This is you're going to be doing work too. You know, this is a family disease. Everybody's got some buy-in here, and everybody's going to have to to kind of do some do some changing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: What do you ask families typically to do in terms of keeping their side of the street clean?
0: You know, a lot of I, I think I don't want a family to feel like they shouldn't ask for information, or feel like they know what's going on. I think that's legitimate that a family wants to know that. But you know, the it's the contact with their child,
1: mm.
0: adolescent or young adult or adult. Like, I can I call them every day? It's like <laughs> no. I want them to turn to the program. Right. I want them. They're using you as let a, them fly. Let them fly. Like right. they're using you as a comfort right now. Yep. I want them to turn to somebody else to follow, follow the program, engage in the program, start getting benefit from the clinical care that you are paying for. Mm-hmm. So if they turn to you and you're calling them all the time, and and that's re, there there are some programs that take phones, and then there are others where it's kind of freely available depends mm-hmm. on where you go. If they're doing this call all the time, I'm like, well, maybe we should one call. Possibly two right. at a certain time and only for this long. Right. So setting limits around that is is one of the big things that that is important. Mm-hmm.
2: Why? Um. So from what I know, consultants seem to be work with teenagers and young adults. And then, is there a need, or do you find, do you work with you know adults, functioning adults who have you know maybe well, this was kids? Does that ever happened?
0: Well, you were. <laughs> I mean, I think we were talking about, you know, what, what makes a good consultant, and part of it is also, you know, I have a team, so I have myself and three other individuals who, who work in my practice, so each one of them has a, has a bit of a specialty. Like, if I feel like I'm out of my bandwidth here, I'll call, you know, one of my people and say, hey, why don't you pick up this case because you've got either a connection to a program that's going to serve them or a connection to the condition that they're, that they're struggling with. Um, mm-hmm. and feel like you can talk to the family. So we're, we're doing personality matches as well. Um, I think that you find consultants who will kind of take business when it shows up. Mm-hmm. That happens. Um, 12, 30, like child therapeutic placement, zero to, to 11, 10, 11, mm-hmm. it's own bag. Yep. Mm-hmm. I have, I have to refer all those out. Right. Um, I refer most of the up to 16 out because mm-hmm. 13, 14, also its own bag. Mm-hmm. It's a whole, It's a whole world unto itself. Mm. You know, there's educational evaluation, The programs are different. So if I'm in the stream of visiting young adult and adult programs, I'm not picking up these therapeutic boarding schools and treatment treatment programs for that age group, right. And then young adult, even young adult, is kind of its own world. Mm. You know, there's a there's a strong cord of young adult treatment out there, mm. and you can go to wilderness, or you can go to residential treatment, facility-based residential treatment, or assessment center. Or I mean, there's the wide variety. Right. And then where you start running out, and this is part of what, you know, our practice we do is we're actually one of the few that serves older adults. So I've got 25 to 30% of our client base is, over the age of forty. No way! Wow, I didn't know that. So 40, 50, fifty. I've got a seventy-year-old. Wow. And, and you know, they need to stabilize their own meds. They need to stabilize with a substance use condition. You, you guys may be seeing one soon. <laughs> um, and so you know, these are these are people that are they've been through lots of treatments or hospitalizations or they've they've fallen off of of maybe a medication has been working. Where they've stopped taking one because they were making them feel weird, mm. and all of a sudden they're symptomatic, and they, you know, they're, they've gotten really the brain at forty looks different than the brain at twenty and fifteen. You know what I mean? It, it's a whole new ball game when you start mm. doing that, and their treatment options are less. Right. So, for a for a, con, a good consultant's going to be able to know what their bandwidth is, and stay with their wheelhouse. If you right. came to if you came to me with somebody regardless of their age and they were, you know, they were uh, on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, ASD2, pretty severe symptoms and condition. It's not my it's not my wheelhouse. I know some people who really specialize right. in autism spectrum disorder and I'm like, "Hey man, can you guys you got to get room for a client because this is not my wheelhouse." And being able to say that and refer out and go to people that you know that you know or have got you know, skills in the area where they need to be in order to serve that client and pass off clients and have a network of people that you can pass clients off to. That's another reflection of a good consultant.
1: That's awesome.
0: So yeah. you might not know that if you're a family, like you wouldn't know the ins and outs of my practice, but like being able to refer out and, and know know what your wheelhouse is is important. Hundred
1: percent, yeah, and I mean it's just ethical. Right? It's ethical, it's just right. ethical, it's ethical. And, and that's what we need to do. And and uh, obviously, not everybody does do that, unfortunately. <laughs> but I think that it's important that. Um, you know, families know that, like, it, there's this internal network, really, of people like yourself who all work together and, and, and are very well connected and know what each other's specialties are and all that. So I, I really do feel like, you know, families, if, if you do need resources like this, please reach out to, uh, you know, Todd and, um, you know, just ask him for, for resources or, or just bend his ear. You know because we all are constantly taking these phone calls and and just trying to kind of help navigate families to the best resources and a lot of times it's not us and and you know we're, that's what we do is is get them to the right place
0: right first phone call's free yeah we'll talk as long as you need <laughs> that's
1: right <laughs> that's right
2: but don't use the google consultant
1: exactly exactly so um you know we'll we'll end the episode but today and wanted to uh just say thank you to todd so much for coming in today thank you guys thank you. um please visit our website at www.findingnewwaters.com where you'll see all of our episodes up there like subscribe uh also on all streaming platforms um and we'll have todd's information up on the website as well um and uh thank you all for joining us today
0: thank you so much for having me b yeah man thank there you am. thanks guys thank you